0: I am talking with Sarah from Tomato Nation. I guess I should say it the American way, Tomato Nation. Um, And um, probably nobody of you have ever heard of Sarah. Um, She doesn't like it when I say this, but I don't think she's really very well known. Um, I don't think her blog has a whole lot of traffic. Um, And she's not. um, her, her blog, in fact, in which you can go and have a look at it is kind of like a a standard template from from WordPress. It's like not even really like well-designed. And Sarah's (laughs) going to be mad at me for saying all this stuff. But um, the the amazing thing that Sarah does year after year is there is a a challenge, a a giving challenge on called Donors Donors Choose. And Sarah comes along and just destroys all of the technology guys um, with donations. Like she puts together through her little blog with not much traffic, uh, she just, blows away all of the other guys combined. Um, So I think Sarah's got a big story to tell, and I'm I'm fascinated here. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Uh,
1: Thank you for having me and my tiny blog with no traffic.
0: Well, and so let's let's talk about that. So tiny blog with no traffic. Um, When I look at your blog, now you do get a lot of comments, but when I look at your blog, you you have an Alexa rank of um, about 230,000 as of right now. Now, obviously, those can be distorted and inflated and all that sort of stuff, but that would generally indicate a blog that has a few thousand visitors a month. Um, am I wrong?
1: Um, well, it depends on the metrics that you're using, of course. The the ones that I use show that I'm getting 25 to 30,000 unique users a month. Um, I don't really do anything with uh, search engine optimization or trying to um, juice my keywords or anything like that. I probably should do those things, but I really don't. I launched the blog in 97, so I've uh, been around since the Internet was in. Yeah, in short it, Was there even
0: an Internet back then? Uh,
1: yeah, we used a chalkboard, and then we just right, nailed okay. it to each other. Yeah, we wound it up right. with a crank. Yes, ha-ha. Okay.
0: Um,
1: but uh, I also was a co-founder of a much larger site called Television Without Pity, which was a television review site that got more like a million unique users a month and so if i am known at all anymore it would probably be from that but tomato nation is much more of a a boutique site i guess a niche and it's also um it's also a holdover really from 10 years ago when no one called it blogs it was you know you had a site or a journal and i was much more of a generalist and wrote about just about everything culture related and I have an advice column and I tell stories about my cats and it really I mean dated is not is not the right word perhaps but it's it's a holdover from a more generalist time on the internet when websites were a little more like print media and tried to be a little more uh, more things to more people kind of thing instead of being a little more uh, niche and a little more Marketed, or target marketed.
0: And so, and so, but so, just in terms of traffic, you're saying 25 to 30,000 visitors per month, and so daily, we're talking daily like under a thousand visitors a day.
1: Uh, yeah, if you average it out, that sounds about right. I think there are spikes. You know, the weekend is quiet, and then Fridays, people come in to read the advice column because that's one where I solicit opinions from the readers, so they tend to come in and. Sit on the site for longer. So just, and just by
0: comparison, um, and we'll talk. You know, we can talk some of the specifics in the numbers. And this is what I'm, I'm, I find hilarious and impressive. Um, so Craig Newmark, who runs uh, Craig's list, I don't even sure. know what their traffic is, but you know they measure their traffic in billions of view, page views. Um, oh sure. In the, in the most in the most recent round of donors choose, Craig was able to raise thirteen thousand eight hundred and fifty dollars from thirteen donors, and. Tomato Nation, with Sarah was able to raise—I don't have a number here—it was three hundred three hundred seventy-four thousand and thirty-six dollars from one thousand one hundred thirty-two donors. Yeah. So, um, I mean, and you'll see a similar his,
1: if, if you compare the numbers that Gawker Media put up, and this is you know all of their all of their sites. I think it's a similarly lopsided. Comparison. Now, I mean,
0: Craig didn't put his donors Choose giving page on every page of Craig's list, so he didn't have the visibility that – I mean, you, you, you work at this, obviously. Um, yes. Gorka Media, did they put it up on every page of Gorka Media's site?
1: I don't think so. I don't think okay. so. I mean, I think it was on all the sites <laughs> in the sidebar, but I think they didn't do as much to promote it. I mean, I can't, I can't speak to what Deadspin did to promote it, but that's not really in there. Per view. I mean, that's a sports site, and I think it's not, I don't know, it's not branded it to what it they did. And that's,
0: and that's what we want to talk about, like how you actually work about it, because while this is giving, um, I'm, I'm of the strong opinion that this can be just applied equally to business, and I think there's a lot of things that we we can learn in what you're doing here and apply them to business. Um, so Fred Wilson, for example, rock star VC blogger in, in New York City, um, his results were he raised $38,733 from 217 do- donors. So that not means... Bad. Yeah, no, he's, he uh, doubled what he's done before. Um, but still, you know, one-tenth of what you've been raising. And the other interesting... I, I worked out the numbers. Um, where your average donation size per person was something like $330, and his is $178. Right. I'm, well, I'm, I'm not sure that that number that is...
1: I'm not sure that number is going to be entirely accurate because I do have a few angels in the group that donate uh that donate a much larger that donate a large proportion. Uh That I had one angel who I think provided matching funds in the amount of this year twenty-seven thousand dollars. I had one well, who. Let's, before uh, we go into
0: all the strategy on that, let's we'll go through that. I'm just talking like overall the average donation size. Right. Okay. I, mean, I was a okay. bit embarrassed on. I mean, I donated on Fred's one, and I gave $100, and now I'm seeing like the average donation size is $178, and then on yours it's $330. So, okay, they're skewed up by some people giving more money, but now I'm feeling like a little bit of a loser. <laughs> right. So well, my apologies, I mean, and I'll do better next year.
1: Well, <laughs> I, I think there's no need to apologize because my part of my whole uh, sales strategy every year is to, remind people that in the case of this particular charity, even $5 will make a difference and that I want to get everyone involved and make everyone feel like their $5 or $500, but even $5 will make a difference and that people shouldn't do that thing Americans sometimes do where they're like, I'm not going to vote because it doesn't matter. Well, you know, if everyone thinks that, then it doesn't. So that's part of, that's part of what I do is, kind of give everyone in the readership ownership of the project and yeah. make everyone feel because it's true also and make everyone feel that if we don't all do this together we it can't it can't be done without everyone. Right. So before we go down
0: that path, we just take a couple of steps can we just take a couple of steps back? And could you tell us tell us firstly a little bit about yourself and your blog, and then about donors choose and why you support it, Just so we can put everything into context, and then I'd really love to dig into your strategies, if that's all right.
1: Um, sure. Um, I'm a writer and editor. I went to Princeton University and graduated with a creative writing degree, which is exactly as useful as you might assume, and worked various odd jobs before the internet presented a better option for me in terms of getting my work out there. Uh, it was very difficult for me to break into print. So 15 years ago when I was getting started, I, you know, started up a little website and just put my thoughts down and it was a way to keep uh, the writing muscles warm and, you know, while I was at the same time making money by being a records clerk. Very glamorous. Try not to be jealous. Um, and then did I... Did you have to show your
0: Princeton degree to get that job?
1: Uh, I did not. I just had to type really fast. God <laughs> bless the union. Um, so after that, I sort of, was building up various online presences and my pretty much day job, if you want to call it that. I worked at home, but my day job was Television Without Pity for close to 10 years. I did that with uh, two Canadian partners and that was my main focus was television and pop culture and then I was freelancing as a result of that for MSNBC.com and various other publications online and off. Um, and then we sold that site to Bravo a couple of years ago. God bless. And uh, so that's my sort of hist- work history on the Internet. Uh, tomato Nation, which is my own uh, blog, was not sold. And I've continued to update that regularly for over a decade. Jeez. So what's um,
0: Tomato Nation about? Uh,
1: tomato Nation isn't really about any one particular thing. I sort of uh, wanted to be a... Humor writer, and it was something that I could do. So I started out writing humorous essays once a week, and then I was dared to start an advice column ten years ago. So I did it as a joke, because all the other advice columns were so bad. And I thought, you know, well, how hard could this be? And why are they always screwing up? That, you know, why is Ann Landers such an idiot? And then it's actually a lot harder than it harder than it looks. But uh, it has an advice column. But that's that's, and it that's has,
0: one of the things that I've noticed. Tomato Nation isn't really about anything, right? You're just talking it's, – it's your personality coming across and just talking about stuff you like. Is that Yeah. That well, accurate? I
1: prefer to think that it's about everything. Right. I like to put a positive spin on it. But, yes, it's not – there isn't a, a niche. There are certain things that I don't really do. I mean, I don't talk about tech, really. But, uh, the, I mean, there are things it doesn't do. But uh, it's not there is not a branded focus, except that there does tend to be a lot of uh, salty language and making fun of celebrities for driving drunk and and that kind of thing. But you know, it's uh, so, so no,
0: uh, can you tell us like uh, the the work that you did to develop your template? Um, I mean, you, you 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 must have paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to get your site design done. Oh
1: yeah, well uh, when I first started writing the site, and it was on a page on SpryNet. Like, this is going back. I mean, the site is old. And uh it had no design then, either. I had to hand code all the HTML, and I used to call it the uh, fastest-loading site on the Internet. It was no graphics. It was nothing. You know? Um, I think visual interest and a good design is wonderful and important, but it's not why people come to Tomato Nation, so I just... Haven't focused on it. As long as the text is relatively readable, and people can find everything pretty much, then.
0: Well, I, I mean, I, I'd like to congratulate you because it does appear to me like you took the standard uh, WordPress theme, the, d- the default one, and you changed the color to red. Is that would that be a, a fair summary of your your? Uh, yes,
1: thing? I believe I believe I also altered the font somewhat.
0: Okay. <laughs> and right. that's, that's good it. job. Now, and, but this is then what when you we post call a blog,
1: focusing on core business and not wasting time on other oh, things. Oh, no, and no, I agree.
0: I mean, there's a guy named Eric Rees who talks about, uh, developing startups and, and, starting with the core stuff and not getting caught up in everything that doesn't make a difference. Um, no, no question whatsoever.
1: Um, it's really and, just, uh, so laziness on, on my part, I, I will admit, but it is also, no, but, you, that but kind then, of if is not thing. important,
0: you, you make, you make a blog post and you've got two hundred responses to it. Uh,
1: something's working. It it might not be yeah. the design, but apparently that's that's not all that so, important.
0: So so tell me then, where is your traffic coming from? Are you like a Twitter maniac? Are you doing like hardcore SEO? Like you out there competing with the Viagra guys for your traffic? Is, you know, do you have millions of people on your email list? Like where's all, where's it all coming from?
1: Um, it's just coming from. Uh what's the word I want? Endurance, I guess, you know, duration of time. I think that when I first started, I had three readers and two of them were blood relatives and eventually someone forwards it and so on and so forth. And then I did pull a lot of traffic off of the the larger television site for a while, but I think it's uh, mostly reliability that people do know that there's going to be new content of some kind, at least a couple of times a week. Uh, I do have a Twitter account. I do have a Facebook account for the site, but that was, you know, the site predated that, and it's, you know, these are things that everyone has now. But how so, do you feel- think
0: initially people found out about you from your television show, and that's what gave it a boost, and then they kept coming back?
1: Um, initially, no. Actually, I met my partners on the television site through Tomato Nation, and that we were all members of a this bulletin board that was devoted to TV. But uh, I think it was just the slow accruing of people who would have had one of the articles forwarded to them. And then they saw some things they like in the archives and stuck around. I really haven't done uh mailing lists. I haven't done SEO. It's mostly just kind of waiting for the flight to quality, I guess, hopefully knock wood. Uh, I mean, again, the site was started in 97, so the way that you promoted yourself was much different. And then, you know, I've adopted I mean, you like the
0: Internet equivalent of an, of an Amish farmer compared to some of the guys that I talk to. I mean, it's just – it's incredible. <laughs> Congratulations for making it work. It's, it's amazing. You know, well,
1: it's thank you. It's like, you know, some people still like to use a manual typewriter, and that's kind of my uh, emotional – <laughs> wavelength. So where does it? I mean, of. are
0: people bookmarking your site, or are they? I mean, where, when you make a blog post, and you have 200 comments to it, where are all those people finding out? I mean, are they? Do they bookmark you and know, like, oh, I want to go and write a response every Friday because it's the advice column? Or is it, uh, they I think,
1: like- I think for some people that's true. I think uh, you know, again, every time I have a new entry, it does go out on the Twitter stream. It does go out on uh, on the Facebook. Update and then people retweet it or whatever, however it is they're spreading it. But I think regular readers, either I'm on a bookmark, bookmarks list or I'm on a, a reader aggregate stream or it, it's just part of their daily tour or they click on it out of Twitter. I don't, uh, I don't know where they always come from. I think at this point I do have a regular readership and I also have different readerships for different things there are people that only read what I write about baseball and don't care about any of the rest of it there are people who only read the advice column and were not aware that I even wrote anything else um because they don't they only come in through that link and they never go to the home page so I have you know on top of having a loyal demographic I also have some sub demographics I believe I haven't done any that sort of, sort of formal uh information collection about this. I mean is, is the, the majority of your readership do. women? Yeah, I would say.
0: Yeah, because I've I mean there's a guy I um I haven't found it as a site that I could particularly get into a lot. Um uh, it's it's yeah, it doesn't I mean and and then that's I guess that's it's like sex in the city. I know people like it but it. It's, I guess, well I was the same way with sex in right. the
1: city. Yeah. I mean that's that's sort of what I mean that when I'm writing about baseball, then there's a big chunk of the demographic that doesn't care because, you know, for for better or worse, a lot of women don't give a shit about baseball. And a lot of men don't either, actually. If I were writing about the NFL That'd be that be different because everybody so, likes to so explain football. to me then. You
0: you publish you publish a post about like what is a post that is going to get 200 comments on it and and why is that happening? I mean it, it seems <clears throat> what it seems to me is that because you're strong in writing and you 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 write in a very emotional way that you you have such a strong connection with your readership that they feel like it's all a team and then because you all feel like you're a team and then you all want to just you know sit around the coffee table and chat in the comments that therefore you built effectively a community through – I mean, it's not really a forum. It's a fairly limited community platform. But then when you – because you've built that sort of community and there, there is that connection there, that when you go and do something like donors choose, you kick ass.
1: Um, yeah, I, I think that's true. I think that uh, having run a much larger site, which did have a community bulletin board – for a very long time, and having seen kind of the best and worst of what that could generate in terms of behavior and the sense of community, uh, I do have some rules for commenting. I do check every comment before it goes through. I'm trying to keep the conversation a conversation and not have, uh, I mean, spam, but also people in all caps. Being rude to each other, yelling—I mean, uh, you know—salty language is fine. Obviously, I use it constantly, um, and strong opinions are fine, and disagreeing with me uh, absolutely is fine. But we're—you know—I'm trying to—I'm trying to have it be a discussion and a debate, and not just a way out of whack signal-to-noise ratio, like you may see elsewhere where the comments aren't moderated as closely. Uh, a post that gets a lot of comments does tend to be, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I have two cats. It's part of the spinster code. And uh, any post about cats or, like, joking about cat behavior or I ran this one thing that pretended to be this anthropological study about the cats, and people on the Internet love that, and they love to tell their own stories about their cats or their dogs or their ferrets or whatever. That gets a lot of comments. Making a bold statement on a point of etiquette on which you know you're outdated, but you feel very strongly, also will get a lot of comments. Uh Kotkey.org linked to this essay I wrote a few years ago saying, look, I don't care if you don't want to do it. You're writing me a goddamn thank you note. I'm not buying you anything else. That's how that's going to go. You can like it. You can not like it. And uh, a lot of people really didn't like it and accused me of being a, you know, fascist and you know, who are you to decide what people do with their time and you're not Emily Post and fuck you, boo. but I mean it gets a lot of, it gets a lot of traffic, something like that, where you take a position and, you know, I don't, I don't write posts with the traffic in mind. I write about what I want and sometimes it strikes a chord and people are actually in an argument in the comments right now about whether Sean Penn is a good actor, you know. That wasn't my intent. I was just reviewing this movie, and then people have strong opinions about it. But
0: so who, who are your readers? Drive. Are they people like you?
1: Um, I think sometimes yes, and sometimes no. Um, the demographic profile anecdotally would suggest that the, there are a lot of white ladies in their 30s who have cats, but those are just <laughs> the people who comment. Um, so it's it's hard to say i think that there may be a large silent majority and that you know my baseball posts like i love baseball i've presented papers on baseball uh i really would love to get into that more as a as a career option but i think that people people do read those posts and forward them but i don't think there's as much commenting on them but that's a whole other sort of um sociology of the internet question that I'm actually not qualified to answer. So,
0: But, you know, um, the short answer is it depends. So how much do you actually raise each year with your fundraising trust?
1: Um, Each year, it's been building each year. I've been doing it for – it's over the course of five years. I've had four fundraisers, and I believe my lifetime total is something – Close to five hundred eighty thousand dollars.
0: The five hundred eighty thousand dollars that you raised, um, and I noticed you put Google AdSense on the site.
1: Yeah. It's Are you easy. able to talk
0: about your revenues from Google AdSense?
1: Oh, uh, can you put the word "revenues" in quotes? Because not, not. Yeah, no. I mean, so you much. know, let's, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, they don't. Uh, they don't bother paying until you've made a hundred dollars. So. Uh, it covers my it covers my hosting expenses. Let's let's leave it at that. It it gets me to break even.
0: Well, we don't want to break the uh, terms of service of the Google AdSense publisher agreement because then I, they yeah, might they are do a it. little.
1: I think technically, I'm not even allowed to admit that I you know
0: I have but them. So You're you never supposed to mention making,
1: it on the blog, like oh well, okay. It's like being you undercover. You may be making
0: millions of dollars through those AdSense ads and you know not be telling us here. Um, yeah. No, I think it's, I mean, I think it's incredible. So let's, um let's talk about how, how, I mean, how you do it. So, I mean, actually, can you tell us a little bit about Donors Choose and why you, why you support that? And then maybe why you think your community supports that. I think we're getting the picture that you, you build a community, people are connected, they feel connected with you, you're their leader. You build a tribe. Have you read the book about, uh, tribes? Yes. Okay, so, so you, build, yeah, apparently. Like you build a tribe.
1: I've built a tribe. Um, I heard about Donors Choose by reading about it in the New Yorker in 2004. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, it was founded by a former New York City public school teacher uh, in response to the fact that teachers generally were underfunded. Like teachers in low income schools didn't have enough money to do uh, basic, they didn't have enough money for basic materials at times. They were running out of paper. Uh, they all had to share one copy of the textbook or it had to be photocopied and then they're out of paper. Uh, they needed air purifiers. They needed desks. And there was no money in the budget. Uh, this wasn't something that, uh, the local PTAs could provide. Donors choose a system is to solicit project proposals from the teacher. And then the teacher posts this proposal. For example, I need, you know, 50 reams of paper for my class. It costs $500. And then donors can donate the entire $500 and pay for the entire project. They can donate 50 They can donate $5. And then you immediately see a difference on the proposals page that you have made this donation and that it is going directly to the classroom. You're not writing a check to, for example, World Wildlife Fund. And, you know, your $500 probably goes into mailing materials asking you for even more money. It's a much more direct system. It's all on the Internet. I mean, of course, they have a brick-and-mortar office, but it's all on the Internet, and it's addressing a need uh, directly.
0: One of the things that I found interesting in talking to some of the donors, too, I, I talked to some of the donors choose teachers, and they were very clear that it's their stuff like they if they move to another school, they take it with them, and like it's it's not in the school system it's it's outside and I, that sort of gives the teachers a little bit more control to be able to help their kids which I, I think I found that an interesting dynamic
1: yeah, and I think that that's important also um because the teachers do feel at least my sense when I first got involved with with the charity is that the teachers just felt completely powerless to affect any change. And on top of that, it was at a point in American politics where uh, Bush the II, uh, you know, had made a bunch of promises about no child left behind, and I think the net result of that was that there was a lot more testing and a lot more fighting over social grade promotion and not much funding and not much attention paid to how children really learn and what they need to do that. Uh, I am the product of counting university 17 years of private schooling that my parents were able to pay for in full. Uh, I had every possible advantage, uh, and I, my education was made a big priority by my parents, and they were able to give that to me, which I'm very grateful for. But many, many people in this country don't don't have that and are forced to rely on the public schools to, to educate their kids, and the public schools would like to do that, but they're not able to. And, and certainly there are no extras. Whole schools without arts programs, whole schools without certain books that we took for granted, and, you know, they have to pass around one book among 40 kids, and I just thought, you know, since I have been lucky in this way and since this is clearly a need that I think a small investment in something like this pays off really big down the road for the entire society. And I found it very attractive and, you know, getting back to the fact that tomato nation is not designed at all. Donorschoose.org, their website is, you know, functional it doesn't look like it's from the past or anything like that but when I first got involved with it it was very stripped down like the navigation was and still is pretty basic that you're only given the links that you need and it's it's not a lot of flash on it it's not a lot of bells and whistles it's trying to give you the information that you need and it's not taking a lot of time with extras and I found that very appealing sort of as a small business person and as a donor that I felt like there was not a lot of fat on it. Um, I felt like it was run with an eye towards doing, you know, just sort of 95% doing what it was designed to do, which was to get resources to teachers and to public school kids and not faffing around with, well, let's have this benefit and let's do a concert (laughs) and let's
0: can Can we talk a little bit about then about how this actually works so you you do one fundraising drive per year is that right yes so um when when do you start the drive and and why at the, at what particular time why do you why do you pick that time um
1: well, I actually didn't pick that time. I have to go back a little bit. The first year that my readers and I were involved with this was around the uh presidential elections in two thousand four and uh Whatever everyone else's politics are, I don't judge you, but Bush's re-election was a grave disappointment to me and to many of my readers who are political progressives. And people were writing into the advice column, actually, and saying, how do I manage the next four years when I feel like I don't belong in this country? And, like, I don't share so, the values. So, uh, I mean, how Bush. many
0: of your readers are Bible Belt dumpers and and conservative Bush Voting, gun-carrying types of people.
1: Uh, based on the comments, none. We do have some okay. current and ex-military who sometimes have a different perspective on certain decisions. But as far as the commenting goes, I mean, I'm, I'm happy. So you have, those... you have
0: that's another thing then that's an important thing to identify. You've, you've then picked a you've got a, a very strong theme through your group. Like they, I mean, it is very much a group that identifies together.
1: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think that there are some people who will take an outlying position, but in terms of politics, I've made it very clear through one of my more popular uh, essays, actually, that I am a progressive, social progressive, fiscal conservative, feminazi, and I'm really not trying to hear any sexist language or, you know, I am pro-gay marriage and pro-choice and – other people's beliefs are other people's beliefs, but it, would that make certain readers uncomfortable? Yes, that's possible. Uh, I I can live with it. You know, it's not uh, it's not a value judgment. It's just it is what it is. But uh, that so was so sort when of do, the, when do you
0: when do you do your uh, fundraising each year? When do you start?
1: It's in October, but this is why I need to this is why I need to back up. When I first began this drive, it was in response to feeling powerless to affect anything as progressives. So I invited my oh, readers to donate so this to is a donors too. So the yeah,
0: donations the, are actually in response to the, the, the political environment.
1: Initially they were, because the big part of the reader's frustration with Bush is that he he presented it as this anti-intellectual uh, politician who really had no interest in education or in keeping his promises about education. And in response to that feeling of powerlessness and frustration and why don't we all just move to Canada, I said, listen, I just read about this organization where you can give some money directly to a public school classroom and you can make a difference and you can feel like you exist in this system. So that's how that started. After that, I believe we raised $23,000 that time. In response to that, I was invited into the DonorsChoose offices to tell them how I had managed to do that. I didn't really have a ton of good answers for them at that time, but then DonorsChoose launched what they then called uh, the Blogger Challenge, and what is now called the Social Media Challenge. That it would take place every October and from October 1st to October 31st, it would be kind of a throwdown between all these various blogs. Um, and so there's, I mean, the that,
0: that comes along with that, you know, it's it's you know the guys like really feature it, and it's it's fascinating to see the list because there's all these small numbers, and then along comes you.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that I mean I don't think that I necessarily uh, whatever invented this idea, but I think that they it was interesting to see because for a for a nonprofit that was based pretty much entirely in the online space they seemed sort of shocked that another online space had actually leveraged that in in a way that in a way that made a lot of sense i mean we couldn't necessarily figure out exactly why uh so much money had been given and it, you know bush is not going to be reelected every year so how am i going to how am i going to you know do this next year But I think that they realized at that point that if one blog can earn all this money, there's a bajillion blogs out there. And if you set it up as a a kind of a competition with a leaderboard and give it kind of a contest festival atmosphere, then you can really, then you can really leverage it. And there was, I think the first year they did it, I was, Sort of talking a lot of shit about Fred Wilson who, you know, what he's doing is great, and I obviously have nothing against the guy personally, but it made it more fun to be like, well, you know, Fred Wilson thinks that he can uh, challenge our fundraising abilities and I don't think you guys should put up with that crap, so how how about everybody coughs up another ten bucks and shows Fred Wilson his boss, and then we also uh, killed Stephen Colbert that year, and he had a TV show, and Mentioned his drive on the show, and and sh- still shit's him. So, who knows? It's it's kind of this miraculous, weird. So thing that's right. actually
0: another theme for um for 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 like fundraising or or you know, potentially making money and other stuff as well. Is you've you've created a common enemy. So you've got one through the um through the political system with Bush, and then you've got a second one there with Fred, who obviously I know as well, and I've interviewed, and I think he's a great guy. Um, yeah, no, so Fred's obviously, excellent. And you, and you obviously and like him, too.
1: Yeah, well, and Fred, certainly the first year, Fred emailed me and was like, so um, I see that you're killing us. Who the hell are you? And I wrote back yeah. and said, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of nobody, you know, but at this point, I mean, at this late date in my fundraising career with this group of readers in this particular organization, um a lot of it is just I would almost say muscle memory. like the readers know that this will happen every year, they got their pennies, they take great pride in dusting the competition, and so I don't have to always work that hard to to sell it to them at this point because they know. They know what it is. Last year, was do tough. your
0: readers actually save up for this?
1: Uh, I think some of them do. Yeah.
0: So it's actually it's really pretty important to them.
1: Yeah, I mean it's become it's become something of an institution in the sense that they are they are part of they are part of this thing that is bigger than they are, um, and that they are. Uh, I think they feel relied upon by me. Uh, by Donors Choose, by the other, uh, by the other competitors. Uh, but, you know, for this year, I did offer to remove myself from the competition. I said, I'll still raise money at another time of year, but don't you think that maybe this might be getting a little depressing for other participants? But, uh, you know, Donors Choose felt that, uh, it was an inspiration, it was a motivation for, for other, Participants, I actually don't know how true that is. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know how to gauge that. I was sort of flexible on doing the whatever pace. they
0: felt. Don't you? You set the pace. You can't pull out. There's no. That's. I mean, there's no way you can do that. I mean, you. I. Uh, to show I don't know
1: up. how I'm going to top. Three hundred and fifty grand next year, and jump. You would do it by company.
0: getting half a million.
1: We'll see. I. You know, frankly, I didn't. I didn't give myself good odds. This year, But for some reason, I just had faith that the money would come from somewhere, that if I asked, it would appear. It was this kind of field of dreams faith that yeah, I Yeah, but I mean,
0: you know, you're you, you, like t- doing this like down home, like laid bad angle on it. But I mean, let's be real here. You, you, you do a lot of work. You do a lot of posts about it. And then you're also, you have a lot of bonuses that we, which you give away when people donate, don't you? I mean, yes. can you maybe explain some of that stuff and, what, and kind of the thinking and how all that works? Well,
1: I sort of uh do the fundraiser in the framework of a contest, which is actually how it started, that uh, I do a contest every year. People can win things. And so that's how that started was forward me your donor's truth receipt, and that will be your entry into the contest. Um, and I think that people do enjoy getting free stuff, and people also enjoy contributing free stuff. Uh, so that's a whole other uh angle or a whole other way that people can help uh with the contest but that was that's kind of an excuse at this point i feel like a lot of the readers don't care whether they win anything they feel like they've already won uh the donors choose setup and the feedback that you get from the teachers and the students is extremely touching and rewarding for people and i you know, I feel like for some of them, if I give them, you know, a copy of Civilization 4 on CD-ROM or the tickets to something or other, like they appreciate it, but it's it's no longer why they're participating. They're not participating so wh- to win prizes, but
0: so why are they? They're participating. I mean, what's the, is is it part of a movement that you've got? I mean, could maybe you're going to be a politician from this? Like, what's?
1: Uh, well, <laughs> I uh, I. I'd like to think no, Um, but uh, I don't don't know that it's a movement necessarily, but first of all, part of it is just that logistically speaking, during the month of October, if you're not part of the contest and following the contest, then you're kind of going to feel left out of what's going on on the blog. So part of it is that community aspect. So the blog Um, is?
0: You, you've taken a blog that people follow you, and you've taken your community and as a leader you've turned it into the contest. So that's the first thing. If you want to pay attention yeah, well, to For, for the month of October it
1: it definitely is the contest and I do occasionally have to apologize to readers who for whatever reason don't have much interest in it and say you know, more regular programming will resume on the 1st of November but until then you know, we have kids who are counting on us and let's buy these books and Yeah, and then occasionally put up a movie review just so that people don't, you know, go away forever and not come back.
0: And what are they talking about in the comments during the time when you're running the the promotion?
1: Um, They're talking about, they're mentioning specific projects that they'd like to see funded that are either from the area where they grew up or it's a subject matter that interests them or it's a former teacher of theirs sometimes. Um, They're talking about how far ahead we are of, everyone else or what proportion of the total fundraising we've done and who is, you know, making a run at trying to catch us. Uh, They're talking about the letters that they receive from the classroom and how uh, touching those are. They're talking about just logistical things like, you know, I can't find a certain project. Did I donate to the right place? You know, and then they're talking to each other. I think that that's part of. Do, that's do, the, part do of your readers things.
0: build a relationship with each other, or is it all just a one-way relationship with you?
1: I think they build a relationship with each other. I think that, that you know there are certain. I call them the Tomato Street Irregulars. That you know you you see the same names over and over again, and you definitely recognize them. And then there are some there are some only occasional commenters. But I think that part of it is a feeling of of community, both within the contest and generally. On the blog, that you do have some some regular posters who who are known to each other. I don't know if they socialize like apart from me. They're welcome. And, and I it. mean, have
0: you have you ever like had people come and meet face to face anyway?
1: Uh, I've done that a couple of times. I had a little uh, I had a little baseball watching conference and gave some stuff away and actually raised a little money for donor shoes doing that. Uh, I'm thinking of doing a much larger meetup. Uh, and then whenever I do my stunt, the other thing about this fundraiser is that I always promise to do some crazy thing while dressed as a tomato. Obviously, I actually bought a tomato outfit and took it as a tennis right off. This is this is how big the contest has gotten in my in my career life. But uh, people do come out to. See me do whatever my stunt is. I did a little dance in Rockefeller Plaza one year, and a bunch of people came out to watch that. And then uh, this year I will be going to Atlantic City, dressed as a tomato. So I'm hoping that Philadelphia and South Jersey locals can come out and play a little blackjack and watch me befuddling casino security with my big foam outfit. But uh, yeah, I haven't. Part uh, of the
0: competition, so you, you you kind of make it fun as well, like and make it entertaining for people, and hey, here's a way to humiliate Sarah, our noble leader, if you give more money to donors choose.
1: Right. Well, and you also have to signal to the to the readers that you believe that much in in the project. Uh, one year, I shaved my head. Like, and not you know, like down to stubble, I mean, shaved it. Skin. And promptly caught up cold right afterwards that lasted for two weeks, but You know, uh, as it turns out, I have a very nice round head, so that part of it actually worked out okay. But I think that in the case of my particular readership, which is not necessarily wealthy people, that there are a lot of graduate students or, you know, college students or people like me who sort of have enough money to get by but not a lot, to ask them, especially in the last couple of years when the economy has been in the shitter, to ask them to give money to this organization on your say-so, uh, I think that when I signal to them that this is that important to me, that I will shave my head, that I will buy a $300 vegetable outfit uh, and prance around Washington, D.C., uh, you know, that's important to me. So that's, I think, an article of faith with the readers, that I take this very seriously, that I am working extremely hard behind the scenes to keep all the pricing organized, to keep make sure all the donations are going where they're supposed to go, to be a liaison, you know, if people have questions about whatever the donors choose back end, that I know who to tell them who to contact. I definitely don't want them to feel like this is, you know, drudgery or that I'm complaining, but I do need them to know that I am working hard, that I am committed to this project, and that their participation is important to me and is matched by full participation and investment of my time and energy on my side. Because at a time like this where the first thing, the first element of discretionary spending that people kick out at an economic time like this is charitable giving frequently that's the first thing to go, that they can't afford to give to public radio anymore and they're not, you know, fuck you, Sierra Club, like that they have to tighten their belts. And when I come in after the failure of Lehman Brothers and I'm like, I would like you to raise $100,000 for people you don't even know on my say-so, I think that a big part of their trust in me, I mean, you're talking about, do I is it a movement or am I an institution I'm sort of not comfortable with, with terms that big and grandiose to describe what I do because a lot of what I do is not what I do, it's what the readers do and it's what the charity does to be, you know, an attractive prospect. But a big part of it is making them feel that this is, this is a public or sort of a community trust. What we do with this fundraiser is a community trust. Everyone has to tighten their belts now more than ever, et cetera. And
0: so that says another I, point to this: that you've, you're raising ten times more than Fred Wilson, and I mean the, the net worth of Fred Wilson's community versus yours is probably somewhat different.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think you're talking uh, ex- exponents <laughs> there, probably. I, I mean,
0: hmm.
1: you know, we do have we do have some uh, first class flyers in the readership, I'm sure, but. Um, you know, so can
0: you tell us like some of the other dynamics then? You mentioned earlier on in the call, uh, we talked about, you, you have some, uh, some, like someone that came and gave like $27,000 in matching funds. Like, what are some of the other things that are going on to get the numbers to be as high as they are? You're doing the, the, the matching donations, you're running around in a tomato outfit, like what else is going on?
1: Um well, as I said, I think that by this point, you know, we started doing this in 2004, and now in 2009, I think that there is a muscle memory aspect to it, that the readers are prepared for this to happen in October. Uh, they're, you know, looking for projects that appeal to them. They are, they're primed for it. Like, they've been not trained. That's a little, <laughs> not super comfortable with that word, but they've been prepared. Uh, right. so you trained, trained them to do it. And then there's another, um psychology of crowds aspect um, it's kind of a reverse psychology thing where if I imply that you know I would really like you to reach 70,000 by today you probably can't do it but it would be really great and if you haven't donated yet today would be a great day to do that and then there is usually this small piranhas on a cow type flurry of donations where they feel that I have impugned their honor and they will then get to 70000 and show me what's boss. Who's really? Boss, so what's the, what's you actually boss.
0: like put them down a little bit and they want to earn your approval?
1: Uh, yeah. Or it's more like, you know, it's it's okay. We're all winners. And they're like, fuck that. <laughs> we, we know how to do this. Out of the way, crazy lady. We, we got this. Uh, and then putting match points uh, at key points in the fundraiser where uh, experience has shown me that after, for example, the initial excitement, things tend to slow down. After the first big goal, things tend to slow down. Like once they get to 50, a lot of them sort of sit back and feel like, okay, I've done my part. And that's where you really have to give them the guilt. I mean, this year uh my brother and his wife had a baby in June and my nephew is by all objective measures, the cutest baby ever born. And I was not afraid to dress him up in little outfits, including the tomato, and put pictures of him on the site and say, this is a future public school student. Do you want him to go without Hemingway in his English class? You cold-hearted bastard. Do it for the baby! I mean, uh, shameless. Whatever works. And that that did work on a couple of people. He said, you know, I thought I'd I thought I'd emptied my pockets, but I found another 10 bucks for the, for the little nipper. So there are a bunch of things that I can do that do work. Um, some of it comes from having five years experience and knowing how this particular crowd will behave and putting incentives at the points where they're needed most and also just having, having faith that, that they can get it done and that, Do you think that with your
0: community in person, or is it just because you know because you've just done it enough times?
1: I have met various readers at various times. I'm certainly not averse to that. It's a lot of fun for me, actually, uh, to meet them in person, especially if they're regular commenters. To be able to put a face with a name is lots of fun. Um, But I don't have regular meetups. It's something I'm thinking of starting in 2010. To try to make it more of a uh, in person community as well and see if people respond to that, uh, the internet sometimes is its own thing, and it doesn't translate uh, and My readers are sort of sprayed all over the world. One of my uh, larger donors uh, this year is actually from Norway, so uh, you know I guess she feels u s public schools are important and i I'm, I'm glad she does but it's it's not necessarily a centralized or even new york based Community, so I'm not sure how that would work out. But definitely, my she, sense. She's of things, in
0: Norway, and she's giving to U.S. public schools on your blog, and she's one of your guess, biggest donors.
1: I guess she just thinks I'm a I'm a nice gal. I, I think that is Have it, you ever it,
0: talked to her by phone?
1: No, no need. Email, <laughs> you know. and also the the time difference is a little is a little severe. But um, yeah, I that's the amazing thing to me is the trust that some of these larger donors put in this project. That at least initially it was, you know, something that they that they did on my say so, which is uh, a big responsibility. How does
0: it work with the larger donor? Do they approach you? Do you go out and solicit them? Um, do you do matching? Like, what's the deal for a bigger donor?
1: Um, it depends. Usually, they've approached me. Uh, I have a couple who are in my real life circle that I've approached that um, that I can rely on every year. But the the Fairly, big, the bigger donors really approached me and said, you know, in one case I had uh, I have a trust that was left to me to me by my mother for charitable giving, and I would like to uh, set up a system with the contest this year where if certain projects are donated to, uh, like in certain science projects, for example, then I will then I will donate a a like amount. Um, but generally speaking, they approach me, and it's it's often because they want certain projects from a certain part of the country or with certain a given subject matter to be addressed, uh, and they want to ensure that extra attention is given to that and that in my daily post I say, here are five projects that we're focusing on today in Detroit, for example, donors to this project can receive a special prize and we will get extra money if these projects are completed. So that's helpful motivationally that they, the donors can feel that they can control some of the money, which they can. And then we're given an extra boost. And, you know, these extra boosts create extra boosts of their own that people are inspired by a big jump in the number to be, you know, become a part of it. Um, it builds on itself. So that's very helpful. But I really, I did consider, like, doing a little roadshow maybe this year because I asked for just a redonkulous amount of money that I had no reasonable expectation would ever be raised. So I was considering working my various contacts and trying to get in front of someone at the Trump organization or, you know, writing for a grant, doing something – to to get actual block donations lined up ahead of time just to ensure that we didn't fall short. I didn't end up having time to do that. And as I said before, some there was some little voice that said, you know, money will come. And it did. Um, there was a man who wrote to me offering a $20,000 match. I I didn't recognize his name. I didn't recognize his internet handle. I'm not sure how he found me, Um, but he made a very generous donation to get us up to 300000 And whether it's the charity or whether it's the, you know, cult of personality that I've created, I really can't say. But I'm, I'm mm. very grateful to him and all my donors, big and small. There were people that gave a dollar a day just so they could feel that they were part of it and stretch their participation out throughout the month. So they come in every day and give a
0: dollar. Yeah.
1: Yeah. One donor in particular, she had a dollar, she had it set to give a dollar a day just so that there would be that little bit of momentum that there would always be, there would always be a dollar because I think she had $30 budgeted for this. It was the best she could do, which you know, but she wanted to feel like she was a part of it every day, and she was. So, it's uh, Are it's there really any other quite... um,
0: parts to this that uh, we haven't discussed in terms of how you how you make this work?
1: Um, I don't think so. It is it is a lot of it is a lot of setup work on the front end, and then clean up work on the on the back end. I think um, people that I've talked to have been a little surprised. I think they're expecting to hear that I have some, like, magic formula or here's how you target your mailing list or what have you, but really it's just sitting on this database for 16 hours a day and writing posts to motivate people and being funny and then being serious and trying to hit the buttons that will get people involved and excited. Uh, and there's also the fact that I can't take full credit uh for any of it. It's a it's an excellent organization that's set up in a way that makes it very easy for me to sell it. Um, it's really not it's not obscure. Uh you see a difference immediately. It's an excellent organization and all I sort of had to do was stand next to it and point at it. Um, well you're doing it's a little more than
0: that. actually no I wanna I wanna just ask in fact um, have you studied um, traditional copywriting? And by that, I mean David Ogilvy type stuff, um, Joe Sugarman, um, um, John Caples, um, Claude Hopkins, any of the traditional copywriting. Have you, have you studied any of that?
1: I really haven't studied it. I mean, just sort of the same things that, that people read in passing, uh, references elsewhere. Um, it really you haven't actively gone thinking. out and read
0: books. You haven't gone out and read books uh, no. on, on copywriting in and print and selling? No, like
1: because, that. you know, the thing is that I've been, again, I've had an Internet presence since God was a child, and it's pretty much uh, learning from experience, both generally speaking, uh, how Internet readers tend to respond to things and how my specific readers tend to respond to things, that you have, you have a sense of, um, I mean, I have actually studied Obama's Speeches very carefully, and I'm fascinated by how he's able to do certain emotional things the way he does in the writing. And I like to sort of turn his speeches over and look at the back and see where the knots are. Uh, but the, that entire process—not just uh, traditional copywriting, but just generally the narrative process and how you have how you get certain effects—it's what I. It's what I do. I'm a writer. Um, but trying to sort of, I don't want to sound too cynical and like I, you know, I'm just trying to take advantage of people. That's obviously not what's happening, but there's a certain way to, to pitch things that it's been a, it's been a, um, it's based on experience and on understanding how the readers do tend to respond or not respond. To certain things, um, uh, I imagine ever, if I read.
0: Uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just. I want. I've got to ask you this question because we're wrapping up. Um, okay. Uh, and and this is this is probably the question that's going to offend you, but I, I've got to ask you. Have you <laughs> ever uh, Have you ever read or uh, any Ayn Rand like Atlas Shrugged or any of other books?
1: <laughs> I got halfway through. Uh, I got halfway through the Fountainhead, and then I just couldn't anymore. <laughs> Just couldn't take it. Because it would
0: seem to me that if you if you like managed to get your head managed to get that to work with your like mental system, um, that you would be like one of the best people at selling stuff online because <laughs> you've clearly got that drive and the the understanding of how to sell stuff. Um, and I know like I know some of your readers are going to go and listen to this interview and then they're going to like beat me up in the comments on my site and all this stuff. But I don't know. I think you've really got something here, and I'm impressed.
1: No, I, uh, I see where you're going with it. I uh I think that her writing itself, I, I couldn't tolerate it. But there, there's definitely something there. The the ability to strike a chord was something mm. she could definitely do. I, uh, whatever you can point to a lot of best-selling writers who that's true. Everyone does some things well. So
0: um, is there anything you wish to talk about that we have not covered? I don't think so. All right. Well, Sarah, thanks very much for taking the time. Uh,
1: thanks so much for having me.